Welcome to episode one of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. There is a systematic weakness in regular scheduled leadership meetings in many churches. Keith has found that there is a direct connect between that and the lack of first-level disciples. Today, Keith starts the conversation on the art of the meeting. Welcome to Leadership in Context, a conversation on leadership in the context of the local church. Keith Tusi is the apostolic team leader of the Network of Related Pastors. He loves the church and its leaders. You will be empowered and equipped to walk in fruitful ministry as you listen to Keith put leadership truths in the context of the local church. For show notes, email podcast at nrpastors.com. And now here's Keith Tusi. I want to start today by reading from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, and the 14th verse. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, God sent a messenger, not just a message. But our recent series of church growth institutes and intensives In taking surveys, we found out that there is a systematic weakness in regularly scheduled leadership meetings in many churches, and that that weakness is directly correlated to the lack of first-level disciples, not servants, but disciples that most of us in pastoral ministry really crave, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, I think they're the thing that really floats our boat more than even Sunday morning attendance would. Bible experts suggest that Jesus spent 73% of his time with small groups in strategic situations. I don't think it's sacrilegious to say that Jesus did his best work in small groups. It was certainly his priority because he drew his disciples, and in many cases, others in an outer court together when he was ministering. I think Sunday morning services, without a doubt, are our best blast, and they're critical to the growth of the kingdom and reaching people. But I think there needs to be a steady diet, a steady drip of leadership that courses through the veins of a local church so that the things that are being said on Sunday are getting traction Monday through Saturday. Now, when I say meetings, a lot of people roll their eyes. I used to say I hate meetings, but you know, I say now I love meetings. I love meetings that I organize because meetings I organize get things done. I don't love meetings that are unorganized. I don't like going to meetings where I don't know what the agenda is. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the goal is. I don't know who's going to be there. I don't know why I'm there. I walk out the door without a work list to do. I don't like those meetings. The meetings I like are meetings that take time to think about, to pray about, to strategize about. Because I know in the long run, from almost 40 years of ministry experience, that those meetings are going to do two critical things. They're going to save me work, and they're going to multiply work. What a deal that is. 
So we've got to be careful not to get away from them. Interesting, one of the other survey questions from the church growth intensives was, is there anything that you used to do that you do not do now that you need to go back and do again? I think it was worded a little better than that, but that's what it said. And the overwhelming answer was meeting with leadership groups in some form or fashion. Now, some people in ministry are so busy, and by the way, busy and being fruitful are not the same thing, so we need to be very clear about that. They say, I don't have time to meet with people. Listen, the busier you are, the more time you have to have to meet with people, or you're just going to stay busy. I gave up being busy years ago. So let me just cover a couple things about developing a culture of small group meetings in your church where they are not just a tactic, but they are part of your DNA. So let's just identify a couple things. Who you meet with, how often you meet, why you meet, and what your meeting is about. Those are four critical questions you should have written on your whiteboard or your strategy list. Who you meet with, how often you meet, why you meet, and what your meeting culture is like is the last one. I really should say it that way. What is your meeting culture like? Is it a great place to come and be able to actively engage things concerning the kingdom of God? I'm going to tell you those four points will tell me where your church will be a year from now, three years from now, five years from now. The vision of your church If it takes God to do, which I hope that's the vision you have, is not going to get there without those things. I could draw a graph and tell you based on who you're meeting with, how often you're meeting them, why you're meeting with them, and what your meeting culture is, if your vision is going to get traction and go. It's important that you understand that. Now, if your meeting culture is always about problems, see a lot of people in the back of your head, as soon as you say meetings, they've had so many negative meetings, so many emergency meetings, so many meetings that the devil has called instead of God has called because somebody has stirred up strife or chaos, that that becomes predominant. That will make you a problem-focused leadership team. It'll have a negative posture so that when you call a meeting, it's like the principal calling people into his office. And and you can't have that. Obviously, you have moments in pastoral ministry where government of God has got to come into play, but that should not be the majority of all these things. All churches have problems. All churches have obstacles. The bigger the church, the bigger the problems, the bigger the obstacles. So a positive vision, opportunity-driven, proactive meeting, that should be what's more abundant. You water down the bad by adding good. You don't water down the bad by neglecting the good. Otherwise, you will lose vision and your best energy inevitably will be spent on negative meetings, which you just cannot afford. If meetings are about dissenters, then your church is going to be full of distractions. If meetings are with Uh, Stale thoughts, and quite frankly, stale people, you're going to absorb that, and you're going to ooze that, and you're going to have lifelessness come out of those meetings. If your meetings are about opportunity and vision, 
you're going to absorb opportunity and vision. You're going to ooze op- opportunity and vision. And excitement is what's going to come out of the meetings. If your meetings are about equipping and training people, you, they're going to absorb that. And they're going to ooze that. And they're going to ooze discipleship as a result of that. The doctrine of the incarnation, I read you that passage from, first, from John 1.14, is not just about Jesus' deity, it is equally about his humanity. And it requires human contact. As wonderful as technology is, it's to help us with human contact, not to avoid human contact. There is a difference in sitting in a room and discussing what God is doing as opposed to just preaching about it for 35 minutes on a Sunday morning. Let me give you three key points of developing a solid, exciting meeting DNA culture in your church, and you can do it. This can be done. And listen, I'm not a great organizer. I'm certainly not a great administrator. But I learned that when I called meetings, our people came because they knew they would be fruitful. They knew they'd walk out of there with clarity, and they knew their time wouldn't be wasted. So let's start here. Number one, have regular leadership meetings. Why? I'm going to tell you the secret, because those leadership meetings are the thing that's going to hold you accountable to process what's happening in the church and to really keep everything on track. You know, on Sunday morning, you can be a great preacher, you can have great quotes, you can have great quips, you can get away with a lot, you can generate excitement, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you will generate traction. So... This is where you really buckle down and say, I'm going to be accountable and I'm going to plan and organize the content of those meetings just like I do a sermon. Number two, it keeps you from being swallowed up by problems and problem people. When you're focused on opportunities and you're being proactive, even though the alligators are snapping, they're not going to take you down. Number three, It helps you actually assess the health and the ability of your team. Now, I'm using two different things there, the health and the ability. Different times, different places, different people, different places of life. They could be completely healthy but not have the ability to do something. You could be discussing something that needs to be done. You could be looking around that room and a light can go on and say, this is a great idea, but this team does not have the ability. We don't have the anointing or the gifting or the technical information or whatever it may be, the training to do this thing we want to do. So you don't drive that team past that point of no return. Being in that small meeting on a regular basis is going to help you determine what the ability level of your team really is. You know, those of us that are sports fans, you know, we we do uh, armchair quarterbacking and, you know, we're wondering why a certain guy isn't in the game. And, you know, there are coaches and managers that get taken to task for assessing uh, talent wrongly and we scratch our head. But, you know, the truth is sometimes these guys, they are so locked into what they want to accomplish They're not realizing, they haven't been around these players enough or whatever it takes to know that they're not the right people for the fit. And I think sometimes that happens to us. We've got to find the better fit for them. 
And of course, number one on that third point is, are they healthy? Are they okay? Are, are they walking in victory? Do they have a prayer life? Are they hearing from God? Are there problems at home? Are they under physical stress? Do they have physical issues? Are there outside things happening, you know, in their job or with the in-laws or uh, with a grandchild or with a daughter-in-law or son-in-law? Uh, how about their marriage? I mean, are they happy at home? This is the health issues that we've got to access so that we just don't use people, but we make them useful to the kingdom of God. I'm going to go over those three points real quick again, just so you really get it. Number one, regular leadership meetings make you accountable for the vision and process to move forward and being ready to answer and to give direction. Number two, it keeps you from being swallowed up by problems and problem people. Number three, it helps you accurately, and I'm going to say accurately, assess the health and the ability of your team. Thank you so much for listening today, and I trust you will put these things, get your calendar out, put them into motion, and have victory in Jesus' name. Today, Keith started a conversation on the art of the meeting. He discussed how to develop a culture of small group meetings and the four critical questions to ask yourself when planning a meeting. Who are you meeting with? How often are you meeting? Why are you meeting? And what is your meeting culture? Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, check out our blog at innerpastors.com slash blog. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Inner Pastors. See you next week.